Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Good. I like this stuff. Um, welcome, everybody. Uh, this is episode 204 of the Galen Trombley Show. My guest today, um, I'm excited to have. I've been trying to get him on for a while, but there'll be good reason why he's on now because um, I think there's some some stuff he can talk about today, which will be exciting. But it, um, Justin Ein, he's the CEO of the YMCA in Plattsburgh. Um, and again, I, I've gotten to know you a little bit more over the year just being uh, being part of the board and stuff, but I know you guys obviously way more than I ever even see in, in a couple uh, couple meetings um, here and there, So, um, but I'm excited to have you on, so yeah, welcome. thank you. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Yes, and, and anybody that does not know you besides the CEO of YMCA, who, who are you? How'd you get here? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm a new guy in town. I've been here five years, um, although I've talked to people who've been here for 30 and they're still, you know, they're still new. So I don't think I'll ever be like, obviously not native, um, but uh, grew up in Brooklyn um, and uh, been working at YMCA since I was 16 and um, yeah, went to school actually for music, but just kind of really loved working with kids. So that kind of just led me to the next position and the next why. And, and you utilize the why as a child, right? Yeah, well, I was I was sent away. <laughs> no, uh, the story is is that I was at an after school program, um, not at the Y through through a local church in town, and uh, they had scholarships to attend this four week sleepaway camp, and my mother jumped on it. Right, so single mom, me and my brother, she uh, you know probably wanted us to get out of the house for a few weeks. Four weeks sleepaway. And uh, so for the next seven years, six years, I got a scholarship to this camp. And it's up in the Berkshires, Camp Beckett. Actually, pull that closer to you, Justin. Yeah. How's that? That's, yeah. Is that better? Yeah, you're good. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, Camp Beckett. And um, uh, I went there and then just, it was really transformational for me. Um, not to get on a soapbox, but I was, I was that kid. I was that one that, you know, got into the fights and had a foul mouth and, you know, was stealing and, you know, all those kind of things. And I had a group of people kind of surrounding me at that point, a really cool camp director, Lloyd Griffith, who just took that extra minute to like check in on me during the school year. How are you doing? And just kind of gave me that chance. Um, but that kind of just led me on this path of working at YMCA's, and uh, it's been a, a passion. So, so when you started to work at, you said at sixteen, you started to work as a counselor. Yeah. How um, same camp that you went to? Yeah. So I started there, and I became a counselor there uh, for a couple of years, and then had met who is now one of my dearest friends for the last you know thirty, forty years, um, thirty years. And he left that camp and started another YMCA camp and then asked me to join him. And then 
it kind of went on from there. And I worked with him for a number of years, still going back and forth to Brooklyn, you know, during the year. So I'd go for the summer and just have a blast for the summer work with kids, really creating cool program. And then, um, and then he moved on to another job. I popped into his job, you know, and just kind of worked my way up the ladder. Um, so, and how did you get up to Plattsburgh? Yeah, so my last position uh, was just a, a short stint down in New Jersey. I was there for about two years working at a, a YMCA there, and I saw this opportunity. And um, I didn't know how far north I was going. Um, you know, it's funny. I lived in the Hudson Valley for 20 years, and I'd always tell people I lived upstate, and <laughs> nope. Uh, so, so it was... Uh, but I, I, I loved it. I fell in love with the area. I mean, how can you not? It's a beautiful area. The people are cool. And um, this why was was a really good move for me to, uh, yeah, help do some things. It, it, the, now, the area you came from, I'm assuming, was more congested than up here, population-wise? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, New Jersey is, like, per capita, the most dense state in the in northern, it was northern, but was it northern New Jersey, like northeast, kind of like towards the city, or north? Because northwest is a little bit more rural, right? Uh, it's northeast, so I was in Wayne, New Jersey, and uh, so it's not even an hour from the city. You could see okay. this, you know, you could see the lights from Broadway, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, super congested. You know, a ten minute ride here is forty. You know, on on the. Uh, uh, on the throughway over there, so it wasn't our speed, and we we recognized that, and then here we are. Um, and and again, family too with kids. So yeah, it's... yeah. My wife, I have three kids. I have twin boys that are thirteen, and my daughter just started college, so she's eighteen. Yeah, so they they were kind of in a, a they were still young, youngish at the time. Yeah, we it moved was up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My daughter's gone through the most transitions of houses, and uh, but she even recognized you know there versus here. And within the first week of being here, she was in school and she was like, when I was in New Jersey, I would tell people what I did over the summer and everybody was always trying to one up them. Oh, well, you went to the country for the weekend or oh, I went to Bermuda or, mm -hmm. and she came here and people actually listened and was like, cared about where, oh, that's cool. Tell me more about that. And, uh. I, I just love that. That's what it should be. Um, so, no, and I, I mean, obviously, I've lived here for 32 years, and I, yeah. I, I like it. I have no no desire to move away. Yeah. Uh, sometimes in the winter, you question a little bit. but <laughs> A it, little bit. That's we're, why I had to pick up We're skiing. learning that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so the position that you came from to here, same position or different position? It's, it's relative, right? So okay. when it was a larger YMCA that had uh, six or seven what they call their branches. So multi-branch. So if you look at our branch on Oak Street, there was six of those throughout New Jersey, but there was one association that kind of brought them together in New Jersey. Uh, the Y I worked at there was a large Y. I'm not too big on you know titles. I was the executive director there. I'm the CEO here. It's pretty same much role. the same. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, so what was the biggest thing that drew you to the Plattsburgh YMCA? When you came up, you know, quite honestly, it was an opportunity that I, I, I saw and, and needed to jump on. Um, I didn't like where I was and, you know, in the Y world, you know, when you're looking, there is, you know, kind of an, an intraweb of positions that are out there that you can kind of choose from. So I, I had gone on a few different interviews and in, in Boston and Connecticut 
And uh, for the level that I wanted to work at, it's not as many, mm-hmm. right? So you kind of see what, but I knew I wanted to stay in the Northeast. I love the Northeast. I grew up here. Um, my friends, you know, are here. Most of my family is um, is here. I do have my mom and brother now live out, out um, in California. But um, I knew I wanted to be here. So I kind of just put a dot and drew a circle and said, okay, what's within this area? And just kept doing something every day um, to just kind of put that out there into the universe and go, okay, I'm going to update something on my, you know, on uh, LinkedIn today. I'm going to do something on, hey, and just put out the feelers. And then I, I have this philosophy that these things, you know, once you present them and say them out loud, that things start to they come manifest. to you. Yeah, I, I believe that. And this came up. And I was like, wow, okay, it's it's way north. It's a little further away from that circle that I grew, uh, that I drew. And um, But then I get here, and it's like, this is very cool. I like skiing. I like outdoors. Um, the community's cool. Yeah. Well, uh, do you know Shay and uh, Annie Brennan? Yes. They, they almost had the same exact story you just said, which is yeah. funny. It was like they wanted a car dealership, and this was like, Kind of in the spot, but it wasn't on the radar because they yeah. didn't really know about it. Like yeah, yeah. this is a cool place, and which is cool. Like what I call like like you said, like out um, outsiders or imports, whatever you want to say, not non-local or non-native people. When they show up, it's to see them have that excitement that like I feel it almost validates the people that live here. Like if yeah. others come from outside or a big city, or you know you grew up in New York City, you know arguably one of the the probably the busiest city in the world from yeah. just things going on and to say like no this is actually a really cool place or when college kids come up and they decide to stay yeah it's like oh we've won over people with you know what we do offer yeah and and you know so the bulk of my career was in in kingston new york so in the mm-hmm. hudson valley so small community new York's first uh, capital that's right <laughs> uh and the the shortest uh throughway section in the country it's like three miles but it's considered a throughway Okay. Um, it's from the uh, 87 into Kingston. Anyway, a little bit of tidbit for you folks <laughs> out there. Um, but so I'm used to these smaller towns uh, and communities. So New Jersey was just like a, just on steroids. Um, but you know, when you're, when you're dealing with a wine, in my opinion, um, you want to have that connection with your community really to be able to bolster everything you do. And that was really challenging in a very big city because you have so many other companies and agencies and what have you so here while we still have a really bolstering community it's big enough that you don't see everybody every day and small enough that i can get on the phone and i can talk to billy jones i can Mm -hmm. call the mayor i can talk to mike cashman and or any of the number of agencies bernardi or or jco and have a real conversation about partnership and what we can do and so i really i really enjoy that and that's that's been a a, a big big plus well i think too when you have a small area like the, say the people you just named i'm sure a lot of them have either first first contact or second point contact with the ymca in some regards right um just because the small community you only yeah. have so many options like i like i remember when you asked about the board like i I didn't go to Camp J. I wasn't, but I did go um, when I was younger. I played basketball and I played uh, floor hockey. Yeah, as like a third and fourth grader, and and Kevin at the time was yeah. the director. And, um, and of course, you're a little kid. You don't have any. You have no knowledge of who's who besides right. you just knew Kevin was. You know, and I know Kevin now, but it's uh, you know back then was was still a fun thing to do. And you know, you'd have some events that went on. And but I just remember the gym's the same. You know, and when you look at all that stuff, it's you still have a tie to it. So like I had a 
tie to it many years ago, yeah. but you still feel connection to it. Cause like, Oh, I did go as a kid there. That was Absolutely. fun. And everybody I talked to, and it still happens to this day, everybody that I talked to in this community, it, nine and a half out of 10 kind of thing, um, has some connection to the why. Mm-hmm. And whether the kids went there, they went there, their neighbor, they've donated, they've participated, whatever. And that's, I mean, we've been here since 1896. Yeah, it's wild. So, so, and I mentioned to you before we went on that that I had this like little thing that yeah, I want to share. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I know obviously people can't see what we're showing, but the building we're in was the first YMCA it in was? Plattsburgh. Our YMCA was in this building, really, and it was known as it was known as the Railroad Young Men's Christian Association. How old is that piece of paper? This piece of paper is too old for me to not have it, like in plastic, right? I was going to say, like, but um, it's going right back into. It. <laughs> What's it say on the? Phone? Um, so it says the Railroad Young Men's Christian Association. Wow. Obviously, that's the acronym for YMCA, yep. and. Um, we and there's actually a picture of a, a small. I don't know if it's the actual of this building, but they had a few of these around the country. Before I want to get a picture of that before yeah. you leave. Um, they had a few of these around the country because YMCA's early on had room and board. Okay, so, so upstairs, I'm assuming was. I would imagine upstairs there was rooms oh, and wow. people as they're traveling, uh, they would you know rent out a room or whatever. There are a few Y's in the country still that have. Um, uh, boarding and, and housing, um, but I thought that was really cool. We were, oh, absolutely, t- you know, talking with the historical society about getting some photos and <clears throat> of um, of the YMCA as you know when we're at Oak Street um, when it was first built. But th- so we were first here in uh, 1896, and then for whatever reason we must have grown out of the place, so mm-hmm. we moved to um, Margaret Street. That's the first one I remember you telling us. Yeah, about. yeah, in, in Margaret Street, and there's um, uh, I I I'm not going to say it right, but I think it's called Tierney's um, uh, Market was the name okay. of it, and um, I don't have a picture of the front of that building, but this is the the lobby of it, and I'm showing a picture well, right gorgeous. now of just this beautiful inlaid wood, you know, pillars yeah. lobby. Um, and it actually gives me uh, Titanic vibes, like when they have the staircase scene. Yeah, it looks just like that. So absolutely. If you could imagine that scene. So, and uh, weirdly wow, enough, I mean, there beautiful. was a fire there, and so we couldn't. What building was that, though? I, I think it's the Tyrannies Market uh, area. I, I, I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to get that. But um, uh, so there was a fire there, and we needed to, um, we needed to leave, obviously, and that's where oh, we that had um, a, a local donor. Um, who, uh, Loyal Smith, who uh, gave the YMCA, and this is 1906, 1904, 1905 kind of thing. Um, he gave the Y $30,000 to wow. start a new Y and $100,000 to continue it. So, and th- that, those dollars back then, we're talking in the millions, oh, right? Yeah. Based um, on inflation now, yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. So, and then, of course, then it was, you know, we, we, they built the uh, you know kind of what's there so now. Is that the current building? This is the current building, and again, I'm showing an old shot God, of, of Brinkerhoff and uh, and Oak Street. Um, and obviously, there's things built on. There's no pool in this picture, so right where you're seeing here is where the pool was put on, and then administrative offices down 
Um, and we can get a photo of this as well. I'm yeah. Sure. So yeah. So that uh, where your thumb is right now, that would be that. That's Brinkerhoff. This is Brinkerhoff, and that's Correct. actually the house that's still just there. got whole, got sold a few months back. Okay. Um, but so that the parking lot's back there. The, yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. So yeah. So so my point, this roundabout way, the Y's been a part of this community for 130 years. That's crazy. You know. And uh, so everybody you talk to has some sort of connection. I wonder, I wonder out of all the place, like out of all lo- local, like any organization or like how many have lasted 130 years? I, Do you yeah, have any, any I, guess? I mean, I, that's... I have no idea. Like how, I mean, you take like, like even like a United Way or you take, yeah. uh, you know, some of these old, there was some, there was something else I saw recently. Um, what was the, no, it was Rotary. It was the original Rotary. It was back, I think they started in like oh, right. maybe 19, early 1920s, late 1910s. Right, right, right. Um, and it was a group of like 15 to 20 like professional men that started this organization, right. which was Rotary. And I learned that the why it's called uh, Rotary is because they used to rotate where they held meetings. And that's why they called it Rotary. And they ended up using the my mind uh, is blown. Whatever it is, I did the, not know the that. gear or the or the I don't even know what is it like an uh, it's a gear. It's like yeah, a, is it a gear or is it a um, like an old boat um, steering wheel kind of thing? I thought it was a gear, but um, the idea was that they rotated, and, and all was, of our Rotarians out there are just like you should know those guys. I know, Robert. yeah. So, so we apologize, but <laughs> well, someone from Rotary told me that, so somebody somebody at least knows the history. But um, but that started in the twenties, so this was this was at the time already. Uh, what going on 30 years old? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, to, to have something that old, that's already a hundred years old celebrating it. And this was 30 years prior to that, like YMCA, I, I would be, be hard pressed to find stuff that was longer than the YMCA Maybe we were, historical society or something. Right. But, right. Um, we were visiting uh, Platco uh, a couple of weeks ago um, and they were, they're 120 years old. So old. it's, it's right around, right? So it's interesting to look at kind of what was really coming about in this community um, uh, at that time. Because this building was built in 1886. So, like so we came in with one of the building. earliest tenants. Absolutely. Right, within 10 wild. years. So, you know, and one of my things was like, I'd love to just, there's got to be something, an emblem somewhere in some box in this building that's I'm like, sure. You know, if you told Aaron, I, I'm, I'm sure if you go down in the basement area, there's some yeah. stuff. And, uh, but the crazy thing is like, we had a leak here. And if you look up yeah. the insulation and the boards and everything, like the, at some point that must've been framed out. Right. This was probably all open. Right. Exactly. Um, and they just, you know, sectioned off some offices, but, um, this, this building is, is pretty incredible. I mean, some say it's haunted. I have, uh, well, that- Nicole just told me before I came in that she has a ghost and, uh, apparently it opens up cabinets. So. I can't get oh. out of here quick enough to be perfectly honest oh, with you. You're, you're a go- well, I, so I have, I've had Matt Boyer on, who's the ghost tour guy. Oh, yeah. And uh, he said, I'm like, is this haunted? He goes, absolutely. And yeah. he was like, because it's on one of his tours, but then he started to say some stuff. And the reason that the YMCA was probably here, one, it's a train station, but two, if it, they were people, I don't know if it was local, but our kids coming up from at, you know more populous areas up here. Like you said, there's a boarding school. Right. And have it be right at the track where they oh, just pop in. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's probably my guess. Yeah. Um, cause a lot of presidents came through here, right? Just purely because they came North and there was one president, Matt, Matt told me 
right across the road on the apartment complex used to be a big hotel. Okay. And one of the presidents gave him a big speech. Oh, interesting. Locally on the balcony there. And he said there was thousands of people out, like right where you would have walked in. Yeah. That was littered with people listening to this president speak back in the like late 1800s, maybe early 1900s, like Teddy Roosevelt came through here. Wow. So when you wow. look at the history of the building, but it's, it's cool that the YMCA was probably here as these presidents were coming through. Yeah, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a standard thing for Wise to be in, in train stations, um, but there were several of them around the country. So it's certainly a unique um, situation. Um, but, you know, part of the suffragette movement started up here, and I'm trying to remember the um, uh, the woman's name, but they had meetings at the Y. I mean, there was a lot of historical so what's, pieces. I, what's the history of the YMCA? Oh gosh! Like when did it officially start? Well, it started back in in uh, in Europe, um, uh, and I'm I'm going to uh, fudge on some of the dates here. But it started at you know really just a focus on young boys and um, and Bible study and you know that kind of basic connection, and then clearly just grew and grew and then came over into the states. Not not. Too, too far ahead, you know, before, um, um, you know, when we were here. I mean, we were one of the first whys to kind of pop up. Obviously, it started in Boston, um, but quickly kind of moved um, to, um, you know, to this area. Um, and then, you know, of course, uh, um, you know, Young Men's Christian Association, right? So it was a really, obviously, it was male-dominated, you know, organization. And... Um, and then slowly it started moving into like Tuesdays, women can come. Um, but the guys would kind of, you know, they would go swimming and it was, you know, no swimsuits. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of open and free. And then on Tuesdays, they all had to kind of button up and, and, and the women would come in. And, but clearly have grown so far beyond that male dominated or kids, you know, or young. Well, I, th for I think that matter. Well, now too, it's more branded as Y. I mean, it's YMCA, but you hear most of them referred to as like the Y. You don't really hear it too much as the YMCA. Yeah. So I mean, I, I feel like even just like a, uh, a rebranding. I mean, even the logo was a Y. Yeah. Know? So they rebranded. Um, uh, God, it's got to be eight years ago. Um. They rebranded because they were going around the country and they were, they did this survey and they kind of were, they were asking folks, you know, when you see this and they would show them a picture of the Y logo and they would go, you know, do you know what this is? And everybody recognized it. I think it's like the second or third most recognized symbol in the world. Unfortunately, I think like wow. McDonald's is probably first. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but when they asked folks about the Y, um, they said, you know, what does the Y do? And, and nine out of 10 people would say, you know, it, there's a gym and you can go swimming. So there's a whole gym and swim mentality. Mm -hmm. And they realized that we were missing the boat on the whole charitable aspect of a YMCA, right? So we're a non-for-profit charitable organization. Mm -hmm. That means that we, um, we do things to kind of ensure that, that, our community, everybody is welcome. So scholarships, uh, access, equal access. Um, so when they did this survey, it really kind of opened their eyes to go, I think we're missing the boat here. We really need to rebrand, remarket. And everybody, like you said, would talk about, oh, I'm going to the Y. Mm -hmm. 
And so they rebranded into the Y, but you'll notice right on the side, it still says YMCA, you know, next to the big Y, because we were based in Christian principles. And, you know, and those, regardless of whatever religion or non-religion that you come from, um, those morals and foundations of that religion are are pretty important, just in my be good to your neighbor, right? You can't say that that's not a good thing, regardless if you're Christian or if you're an atheist. You be good to people, um, and you help the other fellow. And you know, so there's all of these pieces that um, um, that still kind of transcended through. So they did the big uh, rebranding, and that's where we're landing now. Um, well, I think even the hard part is if you show somebody like what's YMCA stand for, most people don't know what it stands for. Right. Even if you would ask me, I would like I I know kind of uh, it's around christian and men but i'm like then i'd have to like really think about what it actually would stand for sure i would say the average person on the street has no clue what it stands a ymca act the acronym stands for um i mean i mean just because we're talking the acronym like the song ymca like how did that become popular because <laughs> uh, you were involved with the y when that song became popular right uh i don't think so I, isn't that like some of the seven i'm not that old well, I know, but you as a kid though, wasn't that? Would have that been? Yeah, that was the Village People, and and you yeah. know the seventies. Was it seventies uh, or eighties that song came oh, out? Oh gosh, I'm gonna have to. I, was, I mean, not, no, not not as like a director, but I was thinking like, are, would you have been, you know, a kid going to the YMC at that point? Like, was that a popular song when you were going I, to school? Like, I'm I, like I'm involved with the Y, and they have the song. It's about the YMC. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't. Uh, so seventy eight, it was released. 1978. We won't, we won't ask age, Justin, but were you old enough to... <laughs> I was eight years old. But were, were so, you involved, though, at the... Uh, was I no, going to camp said, at the, No, I probably you, weren't, yeah, wasn't at that, that point. It was just after that. Yes. Um, but yeah, that was the whole... Yeah, And that actually speaks to the, you know, the, the population of men that would come to a, a YMCA to stay. Do you think that, did that popularized the YMCA? Um bring name recognition to it maybe I, I mean everybody knows this song now right you yeah. cannot get rid of a baseball it. game if people are doing this hand uh, symbols and gestures. the so. battle of plattsburgh we the y wasn't even in the parade but one of the marching bands came on and they did you know ymca <laughs> so i was like look at that um no i don't i don't know i th you know honestly it comes down to we're brick and mortar it's what we're doing within those buildings that are really bringing to life what we do and uh so I I don't I don't know if the song actually brought more popularity to it. I figured you'd be the guy to ask if I knew anybody that would <laughs> no, know now about, I'm gonna have to go about, about how out. that actually helped helped launch or, or maybe deterred or something. But um, so I, I guess the the why from when you saw when you originally came up here five years ago to what you're doing now, and obviously you know I'll let you speak about as much as you want to speak about on on the what's coming with the YMCA, but yeah. Um, how has things changed and, you know, what was your vision when, I guess let's start with what was your vision when you first came here and over the last five years, you know, are you seeing it materialize the way you expected it to or planned to and going forward of what your, you know, the plans are and things going forward with um, different projects, um, how much of that was like, hey, this is really on the radar and I guess satisfaction going where you're going now? Yeah, you know, so um, my predecessor, Kevin, was at the helm here for, for a number of years, and I respect him a lot. Um, he, you know, he brought the Y through many, many years of, um, 
of, of life, right? And him and myself, we're all just stewards, right? We're, we're kind of taking the helm and making sure it's in good shape when we pass it off and we've grown it and we've dealt with certain situations. And so um, a lot of respect for him. And, you know, so the best thing I can do is come in and help bring that to the next level respectfully, right? Um, and I think there was, there's a lot of opportunity. I think there still is a lot of opportunity to, to, to grow this organization. Right. So, and we have a lot of, a lot of area of the North country that is kind of, um, these like many deserts, if you will, um, where there's not as many services, you got to travel quite a bit to get somewhere. Um, one of the cool stats that I, I learned over the years is that 80% of Americans live within 20 minutes of a YMCA, right? That's pretty cool. Yeah. We happen to be in one of those 20% areas that are not 20 minutes from a YMCA, right? Yeah. So, so we've started programming in Saranac Lake with child care and camping program. There is an area that really needs it. We've obviously been in Malone for a number of years. I think we're on year 15 or 16 there, um, which Kevin, you know, started with that community. And it all came from the community. The community was like, we want programming. So they petitioned the Y at that time to go, hey, what can we do? Um, Saranac Lake was similar. When I got here, they, they kind of, you know, they had been reaching out prior and it wasn't the right time. And so they reached out and said, hey, we'd love to do something. How do we do it? Um, so it's really about just building upon what we had and figuring out how we can serve more people. How many, how many more kids can we get into youth soccer? How many, how many more kids can we teach, you know, how to swim? Um, and it's really filling whatever need that community is looking for, right? Where YMCAs don't just pop themselves into a town and, and just kind of take over, right? They, they are positioned to fill gaps, right? So if there's a lack of childcare in an area and the Y is that entity that can help, great. Uh, if there are six other ones, then there's no need. So it's really about um, filling that gap and kind of strengthening that. And I think, I think that's what we're doing right now. I think we're, we're really adding to um, those needs in our area. We have more childcare needs than ever. Um, we have more healthcare needs than ever. I think healthcare is coming in many different facets. Um, it's not just about going and getting a prescription and taking the medicine. And of course that works for many, but I think there's opportunities to, um, utilize exercise and utilize activity to help with some of those issues. So I think the YMCA is just being seen in a different a different light. So back to your question, I think that's where you kind of come in and you assess, all right, here's our, here's my new why, and I'm in this new community. Let's figure out what those needs are. And that's what we started doing. And we started growing programming. And um, so I'm really happy with what the staff has done um, over this past five years. Um, they've really embraced, you know, kind of this, this, this vision of of helping more people and really kind of putting ourselves out there well i think uh i mean even 
in the last year, the amount of stuff that I learned about the YMCA that I didn't know about before. Like if you would have pulled or asked me just like regular person a year, year and a half ago, what's your thoughts of the why? I probably would have said swimming. I would have said, um, the bas- like basketball or the gym. Sure. Um, and then I, knowing, um, Camp Jericho, I would have said Camp Jericho. Yeah. Those are probably the only three things that I could roll off my tongue. Uh, but I think a lot of, I didn't know they had childcare. Yep. I did. And then I, there, and there's other programs, like even just classes, like, you know, whether it's, um, you know, young children learning how to swim or older people coming in and doing classes for fitness. Like there's things that you just, I, or I didn't know as just a normal person sure. where I find that if anybody goes and starts to peel back the layers of a YMCA, like you said, it's way more than a gym and a pool. Yeah. And I think, and, and a lot of it does come from the service aspect where in my mind, it was like a glorified gymnasium mm. when I was you know, growing up. Sure. It was like, Hey, it was just a local community center that people could go utilize for a gym. Not realizing like there's a lot of other whether it's like you said, programs or classes or, or even child, like the childcare is massive right now, um, that far outweigh just a typical basketball court and pool. And I think that the, and I think I, what, what was the, it was the breakfast when you had spoken at the breakfast, there was a lot of stuff that you said that I was like, I think that this would be well, like well received by the community to learn about a lot of that stuff. Because I think a lot of it, it's like, you obviously you're in the weeds of it. You know it day in and day out. But sure. I think for the common person out there, they don't know as much about what the the why actually brings to the community. Yeah. Um. And like that was a very good, just quick little. I think you spoke for maybe what, ten minutes, yeah. if that. And and you hit a lot of uh, a lot of positive things. But even me sitting there, I was like, I didn't even know they did that. And this right. was you know months after I'd been you know involved a little bit. You know, but um, you know, I think there's a lot there that people can get, gather that. I think if people really, again, really looked into the why, go to the website, check it out. There's yeah. a lot of stuff on there that people wouldn't know. Yeah, it's interesting because it's it's different people's circles of interest of where they're going to want to kind of tap into. Mm-hmm. Um, and for your circle, whatever that is, it's just, you know, I don't know where you, if you work out somewhere, if you do CrossFit or, you know, whatever. But depending on where your circles are, you know, they would overlap. One of the big pieces that that was I was kind of charged with coming in, you know, when I was hired is, you know, we need to raise money. We need to be able to bridge the gap between what we give away and what we raise because we don't turn anyone away at the Y, right? If you're a, if you're a a family out there that, um, you know, your income's at a certain level and you want to participate in any of our programs, membership, camping, uh, childcare, whatever, you can submit in a really easy application and we can reduce those fees. We have to compensate those fees somehow, right? So we do this by fundraising. Um, and so the last five years of educating the community on that has been really powerful because like you said, people didn't know this. So, it's been a constant piece to really put this out in front of our community uh, through all of our social media, through all the websites, through our programming to, to educate folks on, on the fact that, you know, we're raising these dollars. We allocate $140,000 a year on average. That's gone up in the past couple of years. Even through COVID, we were like 80 and 90. We took a little dip, but, um, and we weren't really raising that kind of money. Um, 
so it was it really was able to highlight what we were doing right like you said really letting people see like oh you don't turn people away i didn't know that <clears throat> um and putting this campaign out in front of folks to go yeah we want you to help support us because we're helping your neighbors um be able to participate in any of these programs so it's a constant piece right marketing is a constant piece and making sure that that we can you know, get that information out there. Clearly, there's a lot of buzz now with us looking at, you know, having a new home and, you know, and, and becoming a, a new, the next new why. Um, but uh, it's exciting as well, because there's, there's a lot to let people know about. What, uh, I mean, how much can you speak about the are you able to speak about? Yeah, the we could talk about it. absolutely. Okay. I, I don't yeah. want to give too much away or no, say stuff. No, no. I mean, we've we've been um, at least what's been publicized. Yeah, we've been out in the press, and and so you talked about things like when I first got here, was it what I expected or is it different? Well, one of the things that came out again, remember, we YMCA's are about helping fill gaps or fill needs. You know, the why was brought to the table with a bunch of other community folks to go. We have a lack of of indoor space during the winter. We have uh, a pool that's closing, right? The college pool closed. Um, we have uh, the need for more indoor space for youth sports. Uh, pickleball is clearly this growing. Have you played pickleball? Oh yeah. 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 It's a good, it's a cool game. It, yeah. Yeah. My dad's like an addict, but Absolutely. yeah, I've played it a few times. Right. Yes. And it, it's not, you know, you build up a sweat. It's not like oh, you're it's just like great playing ping pong. Yep. Well, ping pong, you can build up a sweat yeah. too. But, <laughs> but anyway, so, so, you know, so we brought to the table to go, you know, hey, let's discuss this, let's discuss this. And then the folks at the table kind of looked at the why and said, well, couldn't the why manage? They wanted to build a pool and they wanted to put up a, a special building for pickleball. And, and my whole thing was like, you really have to have an overarching um umbrella for those facilities to be able to be successful you're not going to just open up a pool which costs several million dollars to open up a pool and be able to provide programming that will cover all of those expenses so i said you really have to have well what if the why you know you guys have an old building what if you guys looked at you know blah 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 so then we were like oh great the why comes with a bunch of resources um, so we Im immediately started engaging our partners in the Y and going, you know, this is what our community is looking for. How can you help us? And we did a bunch of surveys, ton of due diligence. Now, this is a year and a half into me being at this Y. So it was I wasn't expecting this. But again, that you, you, to answer your question, it's like you kind of you take what situations are being thrown and there was clearly this need how could the why you know kind of um, be a part of that so we did facility uh, assessments we looked at about seven different locations um, some just plain property um, some um, uh, buildings that are currently uh, the crate was in there the old um, the the oval the city recs um, uh, building was in there uh, CVPH Marina, right down the road here, that, oh, that wow. uh, green space, right? How mm -hmm. beautiful would that be yeah. for there to be a Y on the water? But what we learned quick early on was that we needed to get out of our own way. We needed to let professionals that do this kind of thing really navigate us through this process and go, forget about what you think would be perfect situation. Here's what the data tells us. 
and they came up with a few different suggestions and they go, the reason why, for instance, as an example, the reason why the waterfront doesn't work is because you, you kind of put a circle around that location and half of that circle's in water. So you're not really drawing from all parts of your circle. So you want to look at locations that, that do. And when they, when they came to us with the final, um, you know, information about the site, they said, you know, CVPH is a, is a fantastic location. It's a, it's a building that, you know, basically has the, the bones for a good YMCA. Um, and the, you know, that was a recommend. The other one was, you know, a brand new facility kind of, you know, in the heart of, uh, uptown, um, much different dollar amount, but quite frankly, it was really about, we can reutilize this building that was closed during COVID and how great would that be? Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of, lot of positive feedback on that. And so that's kind of where we're, we're pushing. Um, I mean, the plans for the building look really cool. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, yeah, and like yeah. I said, I mean, we've seen some doctored stuff that you've showed us, but, yeah. um, can you talk a little bit more, I guess, about what it looks like now kind of to where the, the vision's going to go? Yeah. So, um, YMCA's, I believe, are completely built and are successful on partnerships and collaborations. Um, you don't do anything in town without partnership. That's just my, my feeling. And there's many agencies that do that. JCEO, Nicole, is all about partnerships. United Way, all about partnerships. We are as well. So when this happened, right, so COVID hits... We thought, okay, we got to put our whole plan on hold right now. Um, and everybody said, no, you got to keep this thing moving because we will come out of COVID and you want to make sure that you're, you know, positioned to do what you had set out to do. So we had really great conversations with the, with the hospital and Michelle LeBeau and Wada Ritsima. And um, we, we got to this agreement to be able to take ownership of that building. And... Um, Again, like I said, the bones of the building are really good. There's a lot of renovation that needs to happen to that building and a lot of kind of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, so we, we were embarking on a, a 13 and a half, I'm sorry, 12 and a half million dollar uh, project to renovate that building, um, add some additional square feet to that building, about 15,000 square feet, and um, create this Y that's really gonna be regional and I believe going to be able to support those inquiries at that original meeting where people asked us to take a look at this. Um, it's going to have more indoor space. It's going to have um, more activity space. We have an opportunity to expand youth sports and have an indoor space for that in the backfield. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of opportunity with this. So it's incredibly exciting. Um but we've got a, you know, we've got a, a road ahead of us to to raise some dollars. But we're on a good, we have a good start. Yeah. I, well, I, I think the uh, the utilization. I mean, that's coming from a real estate standpoint for myself. It's like when you see these old buildings just fall out and they just they they turn to nothing. They deteriorate, yeah. and it's just because they're not. A lot of them are being utilized, or whoever has it, they're stuck in some gridlock. Whether it's red tape with bureaucracy right. or it's just greed of money. But it's like a lot of it. If you get this building, it's like you utilize a pool, you utilize a gym, that we're both. I, I believe both good, right. right size, location, everything. And yeah. I think a lot of it is, you know, you tweak and make things better. Um, but I think again, adding 
I think one of the things that I, I like the be- or I like the most about it is kind of like the entry area. You just walk in. Like I said, we've we've seen you know different yeah, the, uh, like renderings and, and stuff. Yeah. Renderings, yeah, and and it's inviting. It's spacious. It's a lot of natural light. Like I think a lot of it's just that invitingness of the com- and, and again, it's community center. Absolutely. It's not, it's not hey, you're gonna go swimming. You're not gonna go. You're not gonna go. Um, you know, just the gym, like you have a space for parents to do work. The kids work, you know, at, a, at an event or, you know, going to a program or, and I think the more you can get the community involved with children, it's kind of like the crate center. I yep. mean, you know, I, obviously I know this is kind of up in the air right now, but like, do you tear it down or do you renovate it? Like to me, it seems crazy that you would somehow not utilize a space like that for children. Yeah. Because again, with children come parents and, and, and typically, as you know, it's like, if your kid wants something, most parents are going to try like hell to get to be able yeah. to provide that for their children. Yeah. So if you get these spaces that you know the kids want to utilize it and it's cool for the kids, the parents come along with that. And, it's, and yeah, I think so that the, it's the, a good base. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, sorry to cut you off. The the I, I think the um, you know as we see more and more parents working from home, mm-hmm. you know, creating some co working spaces within our new YMCA. So, you know, you're watching the kids one day, Galen, and you're like, all right, I'm going to drop them off at our at our child watch and they can hang out in there with our staff for a couple hours. And I'm going to plug in, uh, you know, in this area of this new Y and get some work done for the day. Mm-hmm. We're seeing more and more of that kind of interest. Uh, but, yeah, to develop a, a thing that's barrier free, right, less walls, more open space, more lighting, more more opportunities for people to connect. Mm-hmm. Here's a staggering statistic that I w- that was shared with me at this conference I went to um, a few months back. We were down in um, uh, Nashville and and the speaker came on. He started talking about connecting right and people connect and he started out with saying how covid clearly has put a divide with people connecting right churches for instance right couldn't hurt hold their their masses or sermons people were doing virtual Mm -hmm. um but this need for people to connect um he talked about crossfit um and how that group i don't know if you've ever done crossfit i have yeah right that's a really close-knit group of people yep right i need your uh, my dog watch next week somebody steps up at somebody's birthday oh we're gonna do something you right you all bring each other along ymcas are in that kind of in that boat right it's all about connectivity and helping folks um whether it be achieve their goals or just have a place to connect so the statistic that he, he shared with us is that one in four Americans, one in four, don't have any support system, don't have anybody that they can connect with, mm-hmm. right? So you and I get on the phone now and call a dozen people easily, close friends, people that would talk with us, no problem. I need money. I need a car. Can I use it for an hour? I need a place to, right? There are Americans that don't have that. And that really hit home with with me and the volunteers that were there that we need to be a part of that solution. We have to be a place where people can come and and we have, right, United Way does a great job with connecting people. Um, if they need something, we have the 211. We have, you know, there's all these other things. Um, but how can the Y be a part of that and creating space for people to connect and have services um, so that's going to be a part of this new facility is how can we bring more people in? How can there be general um, uh, um, conference space, so to speak, 
that a group can come in and, and use for an hour to have their meeting. Um, there's going to be a community kitchen in there where, you know, there can be events or, you know, cooking classes, nutrition. How can we create these places for people to connect? And, uh, and that's, that's been a, a big driver as we start to design this new building. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at humans, we're social animals, creatures, you know, whatever yeah. it might be. It's like, if you, I think I, you know, you hear all the time, like one of the worst things you could do for anybody is just put them alone, Yeah, you know, and, and, and it's kind of, you know, people need time alone. They need to have that, uh, you know, it's like anything else. Like you can't always be on with people, but if you were to say, listen, Justin, you're not going to talk to somebody for a year and you're just going to be a recluse right. and go somewhere else. Like you, most people would go crazy. And, and absolutely. So it's kind of like what you said, like if people are shut in or not, not involved in the community to me, the more that you can offer with, I mean, obviously stake true to your core, but the more that you can offer around that. And I, and I think drawing in the most connections of people, again, yeah. I use child and, and adult, but you know, this could just be, like I said, a place for someone to go and maybe it's a social time for them. And maybe there's a community, Absolutely. you know what I mean? They don't have to necessarily go and learn how to go swimming or, or go take a spin class, but they can show up and talk to people and have a little bit of, you know, kind of like a, you joke like the Dunkin' Donuts. You'll see how many, how many old guys go to Dunkin' Donuts at five, six in the morning and just sit around the table and just gossip. Absolutely. But they have a coffee, but that's their social Absolutely. Hour, you know, that's and they look awesome. forward to it. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, and we have little pit, bits of that as well, like our noon basketball crew. This group is is been going on. You said you played basketball in the afternoon a while of years well, ago. Well, I was I was I was young. Oh, you were I, young. I, okay. I, I wasn't All rubbing right. elbows with the big no, guys. No, no. Yeah. But this group gets together Tuesdays and Thursdays. Everybody's you know can come, you know, and it's not like it's a set group. But, you know, they play on the court, they play hard, but they have this good camaraderie. Mm -hmm. Um you know, parents do that when they come and drop their kids off for uh, swimming lessons. Um so, so there's those factors. And then, of course, there's just addressing some staggering needs um, uh, of general needs in our community, like um, swimming, for instance. Um, uh, still the second leading cause of accidental death of kids under the age of five yeah. is drowning. Yeah. Right? We live next to this massive lake. We have ponds every time you cross the street, right? I mean, there's just mm -hmm. so many in our community. Um, we've, we don't want to be that statistic. So the why is, is really positioned well to teach these, we call them sw swim lessons, but it's really these life-saving skills, right? You have young kids. Mm -hmm. And when you go out to a pool, you I know with your young well, you age. Get your kids in swimming. Yeah. Right. You know, you... you you're going to be right there with them. But how can we teach kids as they're getting older, like making sure you're going out with a buddy, making sure you know what to do if you're in trouble, how you can quickly get to shore, um, you know, what to do in an emergency, how to call 911, you know, just different things that we need to do and make sure that everybody, I, I am on a mission to have every first grader, second grader, you know, get a swim lesson. Uh, and, and how can we make that happen? So the new facility is going to have a brand new pool. We're going to refinish a lot of what, what people are used to seeing over in that building. Um, but just so that people know, it's not a, it's not a turnkey operation. It's not like the, the hospital can just hand us the keys and go oh, great. Yeah, and then we're opening up tomorrow. Um, I think a lot of the community thinks that because before COVID they were there. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there's just a lot that has to get done. And we want to ensure that when we go into our new home, that we're not saddled with a lot of deferred maintenance. And, you know, we have old HVAC units and well, such. Well, uh, the HVAC, I was going to say, you have some stuff that people don't, like people typically look at the basketball courts and look at the equipment. It's right. Like, well, there, there's some there's some other important things. Absolutely. You want to have good air to breathe in Absolutely. this place. So. And, and the pool, we really are going to highlight that pool. So when you walk into that Y for the first time, you're going to see the pool that currently has a little more walls around yep. it than, than, than will be there. But natural lighting really just make this beautiful, inviting uh, space, family friendly, making sure that we have locker rooms that are really geared towards like, uh, you like tracks and stuff too. Uh, what's that? Like, I mean, I've seen renderings of, of even some that have tracks and, and like just, just, you know, really the floor to ceiling kind of uh, glass and everything. Which yeah. It's cool. Like it's yeah. just. But I think, again, like you said, like the current Y right now was very choppy. It's an old building. Well, that's the it's, thing. Thank you. Yeah. And, and it's, it's important to elevate that. I'm really huge on, on the history, you know, just showing you the photos today of our, you know, where the Y was, right? Mm -hmm. So we've been in two other locations before Oak Street. Um, this is to ensure we have another, another 130 years. How long has Oak Street been open? Uh, 1906. That, that current building was 1906? Yeah. Wow, yeah, I didn't yeah, think yeah. it was that old. But, you know, and and interestingly enough, the square footage of Oak Street is just shy of what it is over at the old wellness center. So the wellness center Without is about... the addition, right? Cur you mean the current floor the plan? The current yeah. floor plan of CVPH's wellness center was about 27,000 square feet. The Y on Oak Street is about 26,000, right? But it's stacked up. Yeah. And we've got doors and corridors and walls and you lose almost 10, 15,000 square feet just like that. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, we've just outgrown the building. Um, our membership has grown substantially even through COVID. Uh, we have maybe 30% more members than we did from 2019, mm -hmm. which is our last normal year. So we really need to be, you know, purposeful about what our future looks like. Um, I will say it, it is incredibly important to the board, to myself and the staff to honor the history of the Y in the community. So we're going to make sure that that we do that at the new place, um, whether it be with photos or, you know, a history wall or a piece of the old Y or, or something of that nature. Take out the center court. Take emblem. Out the, <laughs> yeah. So um, but that's really important to us because it has been there for a long time. Um, and, you know, we just have to make sure that we are doing the right thing to keep us there for another hundred years. Well, like you said, it's about change. It's evolving. You know, if you yeah. stay static, it's like anything else in life. You stay static, you're not going anywhere, you know? And I think we're, yeah. we're social, but we're made to move. We're made to change. And I think that, um, and you know, you take a, a place like this that affects a lot of people, affects the community. Yeah. And you need, like you said, you need partnership. You need, you need a lot of hands, uh, invested in this, but I think the change aspect, like you said, the current building gets you so far and then you have to say, okay, we're going to take that investment we're going to be able to level up and that level up is now going to create more opportunity and more and ability. So Absolutely. Hey, maybe 50 years from now, we're talking about the next stage that's growing off of this stage. And you're like, wow, we, we were able back in early, you know, back in the, the, you know, the 2020s able to do this massive thing that now, you know, in the 2070s, you know, like you said, the next generation is, and, and the good thing about the, the space, there's room to 
to grow off of that too. It's not as congested in a good way. Right. Correct. I should say a bottle, not bottleneck, but you know, there's not really any natural boundaries that are going to stop it from growing. No. And, and we've have, we have enough room. Um, so like I said, we're going to put 15,000 square feet onto that current building. So we're going to be somewhere up around 45,000 square feet. Um, but we've got more parking there, mm-hmm. which will be fantastic. Yep. And then we, I think there's opportunities with those fields in the back to to continue to expand and to, to have more programming, uh, sports-related, indoor structure. Um, but I also wanted to touch on one thing, because recently you gave that presentation at Rotary about... Um, Oh, real estate, uh, real estate, yeah. which, and I told you, I said it was probably the most I've learned about real estate <laughs> and, and the fact that I understood it, um, uh, retaining it is another situation, but you know, your business does deal with obviously with economic development, right? Because yeah. more people you, you want to bring into town, the Absolutely. housing market, right? So this is a part of that. This why is really going to be a part of that economic development because we're trying to Entice is probably not the right word because it feels nefarious, but we want people to come to our area, mm-hmm. right? We want to share with them the beauty. We want them to live here because it's a great quality of life. You and I both love it here. Mm-hmm. You've been here for a lot longer, um, but we're both raising our family here and we, we really enjoy it. Um, so when we're, when we're um, trying to recruit folks to this area for the businesses right? For the hospital, for any of the textile industry, whatever. Um, People look for YMCAs, Mm -hmm. you know, and they want to have that piece as a part of their, a part of their life. And I think it's, it's going to be an added benefit for folks as we're touring them. Absolutely. And I think when you go, when you go like from it, so real estate, if you look at most things in your life, I mean, real estate is one of the key things in life. You need need shelter. And you know, and I would argue, I don't even argue, but I would tack on that. Like again, a YMCA with community, but it's also, you know, you're talking about health, you're talking about fitness, you're talking about things that people need to do, Yeah. Um, that you're really looking at pillars, not just of a community, but of basically the human uh, uh, makeup or Absolutely. human body. Yeah. And I think it's, and, and again, I love a lot of things. Like I love golf. Golf, I don't think is as much of a necessity as certain things in life. If you really had to strict, strict, uh, strip everything down. Right, right. Food, shelter. Right. You know, absolutely. You know, w- working out. I mean, th- these are core things. You're taking care of yourself. So, but when you look at a community, a community needs one. You need jobs. You need opportunity. You also need recreation. You need things to do. You need attractions right. for people to want to live there. Right. Most people don't like. There's certain places in the country, in the state, in the area I would not live purely because of distance to amenities. Sure. And that I think is a very common thing for most people making decisions on where they want to live. If you have a place, especially in a, I'm a very pro Plattsburgh person. I think one of the benefits of Plattsburgh and people that come here and I think yourself and others that look at it and say, hey, Plattsburgh's not that bad. I think that people see the opportunity of Plattsburgh and I think a lot of it is, you you mentioned Hey, can get on the phone and call, you know, Billy Jones up. I think the idea that we're still at a very ground grassroots level in our community sure. where you came from a bigger area where you trying to get to that, you were levels and levels deep from getting to people that could make a difference, not because you weren't important or your organization's not important. It's just purely the size and scope. Sure. I think something like this, when you talk about partner agencies and you talk about, you know, 
the United Way, you talk about JCO, and you talk about the Y, you talk about even just the um, the public sector. Yeah, it they all have to come together and and like you said, partner together. But everybody's got to be rowing in the same direction. And my favorite quote was "A rising tide raises all ships." Yeah, our area is the epitomizes the idea that to raise the the level of the water for everybody, we all have to raise each other up to get there. Yeah. And the why, because it does bring so many things together, is like in the crosshairs of many different um, entities or people that have a lot of interest can intersect that. Agreed. And that's something that, whether it's amenities, whether it's just things to do, whether it's people coming from out of the area that recognize, you said it's one of the it's third most recognized logo. Yeah. Someone coming from a different area says, hey, I actually am at a Y in you know Illinois. Like this is great. Or Chicago, now yeah. I can come here. Yeah. And I think that, when it comes back to the housing sector, people wanting to stay in the area allows us, because we have a housing shortage right now, as more people come in, it, it helps us because developers want to come. They see an opportunity to make money, right. but they're going to come up. They're going to be able to build. And then that is like one hand feeding the other is now is like we have opportunity, we have housing, we have people. And you just keep rotating that Absolutely. around. And I, 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 I've... Any, you like things you talk about coming full circle, but I always think full circle is like uh, going up a screw. Like if you put a screw on the ground and okay. someone was to go around the screw, what happens is you go around, you elevate on that screw every, right, every right, rotation. Right, right. That's what I really feel like if we can get that, you know, make that one rotation back to Rotary, move that gear around one more time. Every time we rotate it, we actually get higher up. And I think that's the idea is we have to build, you said taking the baton from Kevin. Kevin was rotating it to a certain level. Right. You now are the new guy. You're rotating at a certain level. Yeah, yeah. But every time it gets rotated, it should be going higher up that 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 you know the rung of the screw till we get to, can we get to the, the very top at some point. Yeah, and and you know, of course you you, you throw in a, a a pandemic, you know, into any of that and then, you know, that just, you know, yeah. then that screw becomes screwed. Yep. And uh, then you kind of have a strip screw. You're kind of, yeah. <laughs> right. You know, and now we're trying to get back on, on track with that. And honestly, our community, I feel, has bounced back quicker than most. Well, you know, it, it, uh, in, in certain areas. Like I talk to colleagues at other wives or wives around the country, and they're still dealing with a massive shortage of members to get back to getting whole. And we're just, well, blown it out of the I, water. I think there's so. a couple factors there, and, and this happened in the housing pandemic of uh, seven and eight. And yep. you're going to see, like, yes, is there a market correction right now in housing? Absolutely, but the ebb and flow of our area is not as drastic. We don't go as high, we don't go as low right. as you would see bigger cities. But I think the reason, because of that, is we do have a little bit of a. We can shelter ourselves a little bit from the extremes, right? But I think back to. People in the community, like you said, it's close enough that if you go out to eat, you're going to recognize people. Yeah. But I think enough people have a vested interest in this locally and have a tight-knit community, uh, um, small-town sense or feel right. that I think people just don't want to see things fail because a lot of work's done to get it to a certain level where, again, I'm going to use a bigger city. I could walk blocks and blocks of, of you know, you're from Brooklyn. You can walk blocks and blocks of Brooklyn. Someone might physically only live a half mile from you and you might have in your entire life have no reason to travel a half mile to that Absolutely. spot. So if that store, restaurant, uh, business failed, it really would have no sweat off of you. Where right. like me, something 15 miles away from me, right. if that failed, like, God, because that has a ripple effect. Or my, like you said, the why, how many, I mean, what's the, if you took everybody in the county, you know, play, uh, was it six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Like six everybody's going to hit the Y by the first or second degree, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? And I think yeah. that's the idea of like, you can touch that many people in a region. Um, 
that people do have a vested interest. They don't want to see something like that close. No, um, absolutely. And and it, and so if we can be a part of that, I was I was going to mention this before that when I first moved up here, um, one of the things that I think people thought would be attractive to me is by mentioning how close Montreal is and how mm-hmm. close Burlington is and you know, Albany's only two hours away. And it always stuck with me. Like, I like Plattsburgh. Like, tell me about Plattsburgh, not about where these other cities are. And um, I think that's important for us to hone in and be proud of our area. And I think many, many people are. Um, so that's another piece is, is, you know, this new why is building upon you know, a, a really proud community. And and I hope we'll really, you know, accentuate it or add that amenity or um, in the end, serve more families and more kids um, in any number of those areas that we, you know, that we talked about. Yeah. And again, with Plattsburgh, where it's at, the room for growth, the ability for it to go from where we are to where we could, you know, really get to, to me, there's that, that possibility is there. And you can't say there are certain areas they just don't have that. There sure. Certain areas they don't have the, the the ceiling for growth that I think we can have. And right. I think recently, now again, I always I always say this, maybe because I'm at a different stage in my life, maybe I recognize it more than I did as a kid. But I really feel there's a lot of a lot of people that are in positions to make a difference seem like they they are pretty similar on a majority of issues. You might have a couple uh, micro issues that you disagree on, but the macro for a lot of people is, is very much the same idea. We right. should do this, this, and this, and like, good, 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 and everybody's in agreement. Right. Um, and I think that that's powerful because I, don't, I feel like we don't have at a very high level a lot of, a lot of uh, conflict where I think a lot of the, again, the macro ideas, which is important, are, are agreed upon. Micro, yes, there can be a few disagreements, but that's just that's human nature. But I think we're all trying to get to that same endpoint, or yeah. I shouldn't say endpoint, but that next, um, that next, like I said, rung in the ladder or next, you know, pl- plateau yeah. or whatever to get to. <clears throat> and to me, I think that's the important part is that you, your vision for the why. It's not like you're talking to people and like Justin, you're crazy. We don't like that. Most people would look at that and say. That's awesome. How okay? We got to figure out a game plan to make this happen, but yeah. we're in agreement that we think that's the right direction to go through. Absolutely, and we did. You know, part of our due diligence was talking to our community. We didn't just you know kind of do this in a bubble. We went out to I don't know thirty community leaders, folks that you know everybody would know, uh, and we asked them. We said, "This is what we're thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to move. We need to get to a new facility. We're outgrowing it. It's an old building. We need to make sure. What do you think? And that's how we based you know, our decisions on. We did community forums. We did a, uh, a leaders forum. Uh, we did a community needs assessment. We want the community involved in this. This is not just you know, a couple of people in the back room saying, hey, let's build a $12 million Y. And then we had another group come in uh, who we're continuing to work with that we did a financial feasibility study. So then we go, you think we can raise this kind of money in this area? And they came back and said, yes, there will be some challenges. Um, so we're not going to raise $13 million in this community. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of the plan included state and federal and uh, foundations and all this kind of stuff. 
So we're off to a good start. We got, you know, the support of Schumer early on, um, 1.9 million towards this project, which was just unbelievable, <laughs> fantastic. And then um, uh, only just a couple of weeks ago, um, the Speaker uh, of the Assembly, uh, Hasty, and Billy Jones presented us uh, with 1.3 up from one mm -hmm. million during the uh, presentation, which I've never <laughs> seen before. It was like... Nice gift. <laughs> I, I, I told the speaker, I said, I really don't want you to leave right now because it seems like uh, there's a lot of money here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, and... Um, and when is this going to air? This uh, podcast uh, probably tonight or tomorrow. So I'll let you. Okay. So yeah, well, don't, don't don't announce we, all the other we, stuff. We yet. have another piece that's uh, that's more momentum. Yep. Um, so each one of these clearly helps the uh, the energy and and um, reaffirms that yep we're on the right track. We're going to be able to do this, and it's going to just be a fantastic piece for Plattsburgh. And quite frankly, I think we deserve it. Um, we, we have a beautiful area. Um, this is not something that's just being given to us. We're, we're earning it and working for it, but we, you know, we need to have those type of, uh, services in our area that can reach out regionally and help, um, you know, help many, many areas. So I have a couple things reading, you know, a little bit of background on you that I kind of want you to expand on, sure. um, one of the ones it said, and again, without, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but a le an important lesson did you learn early in your career? You said, be okay with making a mistake. Yeah. So if you could expand on that, because again, in the role that you're at now, and you, you just said it, it's like, this is not given to us, you know, we're working for it and, yeah. um, mistakes are inevitable. We're going to have them, but like, what, what do you, what, how do you feel about that? Like, what's, what's that? How's that shape what you do? So, um, <clears throat> I've certainly made a bunch and, and I'm not afraid to say that and i guess i i encourage people to own that um we always tell our kids the only way you learn is by making a mistake right mm -hmm. oh it's okay you made a mistake this is how we learn this is how we learn and then some point in our adult life we try to bs our way through a mistake oh well it wasn't my fault i you know i did what i like own a mistake. Yeah. If we think as humans at our ages that we're at the top of our game, we're we're fooling ourselves. So own it. You make a mistake, you you I screwed up. Mm -hmm. As long as you learn from it and you don't make the same mistake several times. But that was always something that I always uh, you know, there's so many lessons that we teach our kids and as adults, it's like we don't use them in our daily lives. And I, I'm a big proponent of that. So yeah, I've I've made I've made mistakes. Um, do you want me to give you examples? No, no. I well, no. I mean, just in the broad sense, I think <laughs> if you're someone, because if you're say, like right now, you're in a leadership position. Very rarely, if you're in a leadership position or calling the shots on most things or coming up with the vision or the idea, yeah. A lot of it, you have input from people. Sure. A lot of it comes down to you, and. Meaning, and I'm going to say in the yeah. sense from a leadership perspective, like a lot of it is, it comes down to, Hey, Justin, what, what decision do you want to make? Where do you think we should go? Cause right. you're the one that's, you know, whatever it's called, carrying the baton or, 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 you know, driving the train kind of thing. Yeah. The idea is like, 
you don't have a playbook. You have ideas. You 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 have mentors. Yeah. You might read stuff. You might learn stuff. You try to kind of like I'm I'm big on reading, but I like to read from people that have already done what I want to do right, to right. limit my learning curve. I'm I'm lazy. Like I don't I want to have a, a, a fast track, so I, I I put the time in to learn. But I think that the idea is I'm gonna make mistakes, and half a lot of it is you have to then take knowledge and you have to then try to implement it. You have to right. take action on it, and not everything is gonna go perfect. And I think. In a leadership, in a leadership role, if if you said to someone, "Hey, this is what we want to do," so I want you to do X, that person at least has a little bit of direction as to what to do. And if right. they make a mistake, they at least know the guidelines they're playing in, yeah. and they might know your expectation, and everything else. Yeah. Nobody's giving that to you, so you're playing kind of with a very blank canvas and saying, "I'm putting a lot of effort and mental strain and energy into coming up with this vision and game plan." And again, I. I think anybody that's in a role like that, I'm sure your brain does not shut off ever yeah. and you're constantly trying to come up with stuff. But what happens is if you make a mistake, there's nobody to point the finger at. And it's really your, and like I said, you hear this idea that it's lonely at the top. Well, yeah. it is because there's not many people, you know, especially if you're making decisions, there's not a lot of people to run ideas off of and you get a lot of criticism. Like if people criticize the YMCA, right now, or this is any organization, yeah. they're going to most likely go, who's the top person? Gonna be, this is Justin's problem. This sure. could have been, this could have been an issue three, three people away from you, but sure. it always comes back to the leader. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, listen, that's why, in, or that's part of the job, right? Mm -hmm. We all know that. Yep. Um, and yeah, there, there is a, a aspect of kind of the buck stops. Um, but I think you've also Again, I'm I'm very much about bringing folks to the table, talking it out, and then, okay, this is what we're going to do because you're bringing in thoughts. Sometimes you'll disagree and you go, um, I'm going to stick to my gut on this one and I appreciate that input. We're going to go there. But we have a lot of really smart people at the Y, so mm -hmm. I think they're coming with a lot of – we can give the, the, the you know – uh, the the structure of the vision and go this is this is where we're going but there's so much room within that that they can go okay I know where my ceilings and walls are <clears throat> this is where how we're going to navigate through that um, and then there are certain things where it's like customer service right I'm a big proponent of customer service it's all that we do everything we do at the Y is built on there every touch point every every program. So there are certain aspects of customer service where it's like, no, this this has to be because um, this is human interaction. This is all about that member experience and making sure they're feeling welcome and at home. So there are certain aspects where it's like, you know, we're going to here's here's X, Y and Z. This I'm, we need to follow this. Um, and then there's certain aspects where it's like, here's your general structure, you know, play within that. Um, with the staff and they do a really fantastic job and lonely at the top yeah and I always I like that and I hate that um, saying because there are so many people who are are standing right beside me mm -hmm. and including a ton of volunteers the board um, but then incredible staff team that it, that you know make my job a lot easier yeah, I mean it's collaborative for sure. I mean, yeah. you, you don't run a big organization as a one sole person, right? Right. Um, but it, it's kind of it's you know it's like a, 
obviously this is on a massive scale, but the president of the United States, like how much power do they have and how much decisions are they making every single day? Right. Yeah. They get blamed for everything. Absolutely. No matter who you are, yeah, is there's yeah. a problem, it's the president. And it's yeah. like, well, and, and anybody that's logical would look at there's, yes, it could be the administration, it could be whatever, but you still pinpoint this one person who's at the top and say it's that, true it's it, true and that you have you know and then you have issues with child care or you have you know a registration issue or and so that's where the mistakes you know happen and obviously we try to minimize that and do the best it, we can but i think the idea with mistakes like you said you're going to make mistakes but that should allow you to recalibrate and get back on on track and say okay listen that that didn't work let's open door number two and let's try that and i yeah. think it's like everything else and i, I think that humans or adults, as you get older, there's a there's a social stigma of I shouldn't be making mistakes, and I think a lot of it, like you said, is that fake it till you make it. Um, I know at least in our real yeah. estate community, you know, and and I find this is always something when I started out. If I didn't know something, I'd say I'm not sure. Right. And if I was talking to say a more senior agent that I know had been in the business longer than me, and they said something, even if they were wrong, even if I thought they were wrong, I would always give them the benefit of the doubt. Right. And then I would I wouldn't I'd be like okay. Am I missing something? I would go through this like quick mental checklist yeah, on my yeah. thing, but I always gave them the benefit of the doubt that they were probably someone that, you know, was was doing the best they could or was saying the correct terms, whatever. And and I think even now, like I still deal with stuff every year. I don't know. And I might be talking with another agent who's been still longer. And I've been doing this for many years now, still longer than I've been in it. Yeah. And I'll flat out ask them. I don't know how to do this. Yeah. Can you tell me? They don't work for our company. They don't work. And right. it's purely me putting any ego aside and saying, you know more than I do. Help me out. And, Absolutely. and a lot of it is, because like I said, I don't want to have to sit there and I don't want the learning curve. And yeah. then, like, I'd rather just give me the answer and then let's just move on and Absolutely. make this thing happen. And, and quite frankly, that's been a, a bunch of the pieces of this new why has been, I need to bring people and surround myself with people that have done this. Mm -hmm. So we have many partners in the Y world that have done this hundreds of times, built new YMCAs, designed new YMCAs, raised millions of dollars. Um, so why wouldn't I call on them and say, why recreate the wheel? Yeah. So I'm totally okay with that. Well, I mean, you call, you've called me a couple of times just purely to pick my brain on like a real estate Absolutely. or appraisal thing. And I'm like, I don't yeah. know this stuff. Right? Yeah. I'm like, Hey, do this, talk to this person. Absolutely. And you just kind of get, like you said, that, that curve, you, you just pick my brain of, 12, 13 years of knowledge. Absolutely. And you're like, I'm just going to get this really quick. Make a phone call, but what, it's that what's connectivity. The, right. Why do I need... So there's trust and verify, right? You trust the people that bring in your information. You Maybe you verify it. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some things that are just like, that makes complete sense. Yeah. And then you, you know, every, you know, you talk to 10 real estate people, they have some 10 different reasons for doing certain things, mm -hmm. but there is commonalities and things like that. So why wouldn't you trust people? Or just that to validate are, where your gut is already. Absolutely. Um, so, and the other thing you talked about was creativity. Um, where's that stem from? You think? Where does my creativity stem? Yeah. From? You said what inspires you? you said creativity, but then you talked about, um, you know, managing, but you also talked yeah. about qualities you believe are necessary for success and creativity yeah, yeah. kept coming back to. Yeah. So two, two examples of that. One stems back to my early days of working at, at a day camp, uh, with my good colleague, friend, John, uh, John Riley. And, um, he was the camp director. I held several positions, but the day camp setting was just so, uh, was so collaborative and so creative. Like we were just able to create this kind of utopia 
situation for the 300 kids that would come off the buses every day and um, skits and theme days and, and activities and cheers. And there was just this process. And I did that for many, many years. And just when you're in that mode, and it's only two months of a year, but there's so much of that creativity that happens such a, it just, I don't know, it's just an amazing feeling. And I think that's always stayed with me that, um, you know, every, every why that I've been at, there's always been that, oh, well, why do we have to do it so dry? You know, why does it, why can't there be humor? Why can't there be creativity and, and pieces? And some whys I've been at have been really, you know, uh, responsive to that and others are just like you know they didn't feel it and you still try to do it well i think um, creativity too is where i like that's really where ideas come from yeah and, um sometimes like it's like anything else if you can sit down and really get you know like you said that was two months well your first week versus your last week you're on a totally different mental level right with the creativity because yeah, you're yeah. just in that mode and yeah. your brain's been able to de- or your brain but your mind and thought has been able to de- um develop in that time frame yeah yeah and uh like I always, you know, it's called like, they call it like deep work. It's like, if you can sit down for 10 minutes, well, you can only get so far. If you could sit down for 10 hours and just think and really plan and get in kind of like this headspace, a lot of cool ideas develop from it, but it's creativity. It's kind of thinking outside the box and asking big questions and asking all these things to really let your mind expand and conquer whatever you're doing. Right. But I think the creativity part of it, um, obviously you're, there's a level of creativity to the new why like that's uh, absolutely like you don't just uh, you know it's not like you just hit a button and they shoot out some cookie cutter thing it's like no no we're how do we right. like turn- and what are we going to put in that space and and how is this going to use this right it's not cookie cutter so it's and it's still developing right we mm-hmm. have some schematics and we have some a good form of what we want this new why to be but there's still like i'm still really interested in in um working with um, mental health association and and um and the hospital about um youth trauma and kids dealing with youth trauma yeah right a really really intense uh piece that i was just educated on so how can we you know have those kind of programs you know within within the why um but but the the second piece real quick happened over covid um because everything that we knew about a why the normal day-to-day programming everything we did was immediately, you know, shut off. Mm-hmm. So we were in ultimate creative mode of how to deliver certain things that we knew we we could um, safely, excuse me, and, and be able to, you know, kind of ride on that. And we're all going through this really traumatic situation of, of COVID. And we started with one thing, and it was me and, and my um, uh, operations director, uh, Chris, and we set every morning, you know, in the first, certainly in the first few weeks, but it continued. But it was just like, okay, what are we doing today? Because there was new, new stuff coming out from the state and CDC. And we're like, okay, we got to do this. We got to do this. We had childcare up and running in seven days, you know, yeah. in like three or four different locations. Um, so it was like, okay, we got that done. Now what can we do? Oh, youth sports. How do we do youth sports? Then we had 250 kids in, in youth sports. Okay, how do we do camp? You know, it was just like, it was pure creation. We were just like, all right, we can do this. So I just, it, we, we reflect on that quite often of it just being this really incredible time for us. And, um, 
And I say that really respectfully because, again, of, of all the trauma that everybody's gone through with COVID, but um, it really helped us get through this, this crazy time. I think it also shows uh, it is really coming down out there. It is. I just know it's been raining all day. I love this. It's a good I, rainstorm. Yeah. No. Well, I, I've been in it all morning, and I actually, I actually went home and changed before I came here because I was wet. Like oh, okay. I was like, I, so I've been I got caught earlier in the day in this, but um, but it kind of shows like when backs up against the wall or, or things are taken away from you, how adaptive you can be. Yeah. Which the creativity part is that it's like how do we survive? Okay, so we're taking. This can't, we can't do this now. We can't do this now. We can't do this now. And this is what we can do. So now we, now we have a new set of rules. We have a new box to play in. We have a new, you know, uh, new, new, uh, tools that we can pull out of the toolbox. Right, and now right. we got to try to reassemble something, which is awesome. Um, I think the last thing I wanted to ask you about, I don't know if I knew this or not, uh -oh. and I want you to expand on this uh -oh. for sure. Um, so you got a uh, you got your bachelor's degree in music yeah. from Hunter College in New York City. Yeah, I had never heard this term before, but ethnomusicology. Ethnomusicology is that yeah. is that a real thing? It's <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, thing. I didn't know if that was. I'm like, yeah. that's a cool plan words. Yeah, not, no, but. that is. It's so it's ethnic music, right? Ethnomusicology, the study of music from around the world. Um, I'm a musician. I play, I play guitar. I sing. I always have a uh, percussion was a big piece of my kind of teen years and growing up a uh, big music fan. Um, and, uh, I, during college had done uh, a semester in West Africa, learning, um, traditional music was going to write a children's book. Um, you know, all these pieces you play a didgeridoo. Uh, I've never played. I've tried to play a didgeridoo, but I, it's, <laughs> it's like crazy. I don't know how they do it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I they didn't have this um, course of study at the school. It's very European style music program. And if you really want to get into music and the origins of where music and rhythm come from, you've got to get more into the into the bush, so to speak, and into um, more of these other cultures that really show you where rhythm has come from. I'm and, yeah, I'm assuming it started in Africa. Well, there is so many different pieces that have started from around the world, um, similar times, um, but. Yeah, I mean, Africa was was a huge, uh, huge proponent of that. But you start looking at some of these other cultures that had clearly no interaction with Western world, and they've developed these musical techniques that somehow line up with all the ones that had direct connect. It's really fascinating. So it was, it was you know, a course of study that I had to create because the school didn't have it. And... Um, uh, it got me, you know, got me around the world. It got me learning about a bunch of different cultures. Um, I've collected a whole bunch. I have a whole room at the house of, you know, a whole bunch of instruments and stuff. So yeah, it's fun. When you look at like the, like old guitars and you see it was like the, the, the what's the, it's like a, Start with an L or an a F. lute, a lute. That yeah. I was gonna say flute. It's not flute, lute. Yeah. Uh, but like that was like back. What was it? Italy that they developed. Oh that? yeah, in the Renaissance kind of. Yeah. But even you go back um, earlier on, and you go to some of these, you know, African cultures, and they have these things called koras, and there are these massive gourds, right? These these big pieces of fruit that grow on a tree, and they they create these these gourds that you hollow out, and they. Um, you know, they've stringed them and they 
you know, can play these incredible, you know, this incredible music using these natural elements. Well, I've always like you think of like it's probably the two most popular is guitar and piano. Yeah. So when you look at a guitar and you look at a piano, and I, I don't know a lot about piano, I know more about guitar. Yeah. But when you start to go through and and I am I played guitar like a, as a hobby back in college. Yep. And I learned from the tabs. I learned from sheets, like tab music. Like yep. I don't know how to read music. But when you start looking at the theory of a guitar yeah. and the root note, and then you start different parts of the neck and different scales and everything else, right. it's a language on the neck of a guitar. Right. Same thing with piano. You start yeah. going through the scales and you start going from just like all the, was it 88 keys. and Yeah. Uh, the 88 are the white keys, not the black ones, like the sharp and the flats. Right. Okay. No, it's 88. Um, Including those? Yeah. Okay. So, but you start like, I, I only know sharps and flats, very rudimentary, right. but like when you start talking about scales and things, like it's a complete music, it's a language and it's the universal language because yeah. you play piano and any, it doesn't matter. Everybody, know, everybody can everybody speak piano knows, absolutely. or speak music, yeah. but when you start taking that, like who came up with the scales and who came up with, you know, um, you know, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, like you have like, all the scales going up. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, then you look at you know a piano is a perfect example. Is it is it uh, uh, is it a stringed instrument or is it a percussive instrument? Yeah, true. Right, you have the strings in there, but they're hit with hammers mm -hmm. right on the inside. So, and there is relative instruments like that in in third world countries. Um, uh, you know, different types of uh, xylophones and and pieces where I believe you know all of that kind of stemmed from. Um, but yeah, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating world. Um, and I thought music was, you know, kind of where I wanted to go and teach. And um, But it all came, I started introducing some of those musical games um, and, and developed some uh, uh, music classes for the day camp that I was working at. So I was able to teach some of these um um, some of these games and, and, and songs and stuff to, to the kids. But it, it always came back to I really just enjoyed working with kids and with people. And that's kind of what veered me away from going into it as a profession. And Now, the profession for music, was it more for um, teaching or was, it, was that like the end goal? Was yeah, like yeah. I thought that's what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be in front of a class and teaching. I had some really fantastic professors in college. Um, and, um, one, uh, professor in the community college I went to, he taught the class that changed my trajectory. It was music of the world's people. Um, Resnick, um, is the professor's name. Funny enough, 30 years earlier, he was a professor at the college that my mother went to, which was like really weird. Wow. He like recognized my name and he was like, I think I taught your mom. <laughs> but so he taught this class. It was music of the world's people. And I just at that moment just fell in love. And I was like, oh my God. And I was really good at it. I could really identify the sounds. And I was, it was just fascinating to kind of just dive into that world. Um, What's your favorite culture of music? Uh, it would region. probably be it would probably be West African music. Yeah. It's it's a really fascinating culture, um, and music is such an integral part. A perfect example is and I, and I was there for about four months in West Africa, mostly in a, a Ghana. Okay, and is that where like Liberia is too? It's That's... like right on that coast, right? Yep. So there's where it juts out. There's, kind of... Yeah, there's a couple of. Um, uh, uh, Ivory Coast and Togo and some other folks that are right there. So, but when I was only there like a couple of weeks, 
not even, it was like maybe a week. And um, we were told we were going to a funeral. And I'm still dealing with just kind of acclimating my brain to a third world country, right? It's, it's a lot different. Um, or at least it was, because um, this is 25 years ago. But their, their culture, their funerals was not about sadness and people crying and this kind of thing. What they did was they would honor that person that died by inviting all the local tribes and all the local groups, and they would have a big festival. And they would have basically like a battle of the bands where they would Love have it. like six or seven of the local like tribes musical group and they each group had like their own you know some of their own tunes and songs and traditional stuff and the one that was left with the most people gathered around it kind of won oh that's right so i didn't know this and i thought i was just going to a funeral i was like freaking out kind of just like this is feels really weird i don't know the person yeah right yeah but you get there and there's just hundreds of people and there's good food and you know they're honoring the person that died and then there's just like all this incredible music going on, so you just kind of get into the, into the into the flow of it, and uh, yeah, it was pretty incredible. Um, well, I think the teaching aspect too. You said like you wanted to become, ideally, a teacher. You'd work with kids in a te- in like a teaching role. You know, you're you're a counselor. Yeah. But then I think, again, like like I I went to college not knowing if I was going to be teaching or business. I right. decided to go to business, but at the time, I kind of scratched my teaching itch. Not not necessarily the teacher sense of like standing in front of the classroom, but teaching someone else. Sure, I coached for eight years, so I, I was able to you know at least expand some knowledge on somebody else, and right. then that's why I think I like the education aspect of real estate a lot too. Because to me, it's like if I can learn something and teach someone and kind of help bridge that learning gap. Yeah, where I think a lot of what you've said too is taking everything you've known, whether it's directly with students now, whether it's with coworkers, whether it's you know just in general kind of the greater why community you're still you're still acting as some type level of mentor teacher yeah so it's like you still get to scratch that yeah yeah and student for that matter which i really want to highlight as much as possible because i you know there are so many community leaders in this community that i go to a meeting or i hear them speak or you know they you know rotary is a great one um uh, Nicole, uh, with JCEO, John Bernardi, even, you know, Gary Douglas, mm-hmm. you know, you pick up these things and you go, oh my God, that's such a good way to look at something or, oh, I should try that. Um, uh, so it's, it's, you know, teacher and student at the same time. Yeah. We, we, we live in a, a pretty cool area with some good people. Yeah, so, we do. um, but, uh, Justin, we'll wrap up there. Um, I, like I said, I, I think, um, What's to come for the wise and be very, very cool. Um, and like I said, I think as more stuff becomes public, um, and I, I think a lot of it, are you good at keeping like secrets, like in the sense of like, you know, present ideas for Christmas and stuff from your kids? Because I feel like this is I'm like you, you're, you're like waiting for Christmas to like I let know. everybody unwrap the gifts. I know. And you've been good My at, wife like, is horrible about it. And there was a couple <laughs> of years where we wouldn't even make it to Christmas. Um, so now it's, it's, she's, she's certainly better at that. I'm usually okay. I feel, I feel like you're like the, the, you know, the, the parent that can't wait for the kid to open the I gift really, Christmas. I really want to, you know, things are moving along very nicely and it's great to have this success and it's great to have people that trust the why, mm-hmm. because the government, you know, the feds and, and I'm sorry, the, you know, uh, senator's office and uh, the state, they're not just going to, you know, give this why money 
without making sure that we can do what we say we can do. Absolutely. And uh, the community is in the same boat. So the, the foundations and the um, you know, direct donors and businesses in our community, I believe they trust what we're able to do. I believe we've been able to gain that. And um, they want to be a part of this um, because it's going to be pretty transformational for this community. If um, I, I guess is there or kind of plug anything if anybody wants to help out with this or like I said, whether it's donations because I mean or anything that you think would be valuable for this next stage of the Y, like how can they get in touch with you? Where can they yeah, go you or can more research? Certainly call the Y or email me. Um, you go to our website, uh com or dot org, sorry. It used to be dot com. <laughs> um, call the Y five one eight um five six one four two nine zero. Um and uh yeah, I'm happy to discuss what we can discuss. We're not really going public with this campaign, so to speak, right? Because we really want to tie in some key donors um, and really share it with a lot of the big businesses in the area. Um, um, but certainly if, if there's folks with ideas or suggestions. Or oh, connections. Uh, connections, yeah, please please let us know because it's, uh, it's exciting. It's going to be really great. Yeah, no, I, for sure. So... Uh, but yeah, everybody, check, keep your keep your eyes out for it. Obviously, the the Y is located um, on Oak Street, kind of the corner of Oak and uh, Brinkerhoff in Plattsburgh. Um, been there for hundred almost one hundred and thirty years now. That's so, right. um, but if you want to check it out, there's plenty of programs, and I think um, most people listening just go to the website and really see all the options that you can get there. Because yeah. I think there's there's a lot more going on. I think than. Uh, you, you would actually realize, I think, on, on the surface. It's more than a, a pool in a, in a gym. So, uh, But if you guys can check it out. But again, Justin, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. This is this is great. I'm glad we were able it. to do it. So yeah, this absolutely. Is, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely look forward to what's to come. But uh, we'll end there. Again, this episode 204 of the Galen Trombley Show. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.